0: Well, hello uh, and welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Nikki Shields and I'm very excited to say that we have three, well, rather unusual guests to be sitting together on a sofa. Now, for those of you watching, you might spy a familiar face. (laughs) Um, For those of you listening, I'm going to reveal who we are with. So we have a racing driver, we have a romance novelist and we have a movie director and writer. Now, you can probably guess, if you've seen, we have Nick Heidfeld in the house. Hey are Nick?
1: Hello, I'm fine. Thanks.
0: Good to see. Former Formula One driver and Formula E driver for Mahindra, and now actually test driver and reserve driver for Mahindra. Yeah. So that's, keeping that's... busy. Alongside him, we have Paige Toon, who is a very talented romance novelist who's sold over one and a half million copies. That's amazing. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks Hi. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Everyone's thinking, why do we have a romance novelist here? <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> and then finally, we have Manish Pandey, the film producer who brought to us the magnificent Senna movie and, uh, and another one too, which we can discuss in a minute. Welcome, Manish. Thanks How for having you? me. Great. So obviously, why have we got them all here together on the sofa? Because we all love racing! Yay! (laughs) So really, we're going to chat today about our love for racing. Where does it come from? Why is there so much romance around the world of motorsports? Nick, we're going to come to you in a minute because we know you. Everyone knows you. Well, they should do if they're listening to this anyway, uh, all watching. But Paige, let's have a quick chat with you because... For those of you that don't know, tell us a little bit about who you are and what your connection is to the world of motorsport. So
2: my dad, um, my dad is a racing driver. I was a racing driver. He's <laughs> obviously still with us, but um, but he's retired now. His name's Vernon Shupan. He he won Le one in 1983. That was his, his biggest claim to fame. Did some Indy car racing prior to that. Came third at Indy 500 in his own car. And I just grew up around the world of racing, so... You know, it's just it's just a place that I'm familiar with. And when I went on to become an author, you know, you're told to write what you know. And so my, my third book was basically set around the world of racing about a, a girl who falls in love with with a racing driver, possibly two. And, yeah, sort of take, you know, goes on from there.
0: So is this based on any characters that you met in the pit lanes or anyone in particular in mind? Or well, it was it... kind
2: of it was it was it was kind of inspired by a couple of racing drivers who, who died Senna. The first one who I met when I was 18. And um Wow, what was it like meeting Senna? Oh, he I mean, you know, he's he's a legend. It was incredible. And I had a bit of a crush on him and <laughs> which which didn't go away afterwards, you know. Um and he went on to win the same race and I was like, well, oh, well there I, you clearly because I wished charm. him luck. Mm-hmm. I wished him luck before the race. <laughs> and the other one was Ronald Ratzenberg who um who drove for my dad and he died, you know, just just before Senna did um that same weekend. And Obviously, I grew up in this world where my dad was going out doing this very, very risky job. At first, it was just very, very exciting to me. you know win Dad win you know that's all you wanted, but as I grew up and you know and sort of matured a bit, and I realized just how how dangerous this was and so and so, just this idea basically of falling in love with a racing driver, someone who puts you know their life at risk every time they go to work, you know everyone loves a bit of jeopardy, you know it's the idea of loving what you possibly can't have or might lose you know don't take that for granted and I just thought that would be a great and a great setting for a story you know Chasing Daisy is all sort of is told all around the world you know and on the Formula One Grand Prix circuit and so it's just you know very very glamorous with and it's just a very ordinary girl basically who um you know who goes and does this very glamorous job you know told in all of these different locations around the world for these two hot drivers.
0: <laughs> so kind of the world of motor racing gives you all the ingredients that you need to create that incredible story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. for this particular particular book, absolutely. And obviously, you know,
0: you still have this love of motorsport
2: today. I do, yeah. I still watch all the Grand Prix and you know, still go to the British Grand Prix. My dad's usually over. Oh my mum and dad, you know, we go and camp out on the V R D C sort of campsite, which is right in the middle of the track, which is amazing. <gasps> poor mum and dad end up on a blow mattress which is a bit unfair well, we're wearing our camper van but
0: <laughs> brilliant <laughs> they good, good sports they sports <laughs> no, I know it's not fair really oh how things have changed probably <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that when he was driving in Formula One <laughs> no exactly yeah no he'd absolutely be in the be in the posh hotel but
2: oh, <laughs> he doesn't mind before. slumming it so much these days it's yeah. um it's good fun
0: and just going back to when you went to the Australian Grand Prix when you're 18 years old, kind of on the grid. I think we actually, you have, or maybe it was photos from another race, but we're actually, I should probably explain where we are. For those of you that can see and are watching us, <laughs> uh, you can see we've got the Mahindra car behind us in a studio, but the studio, we're actually at the offices of LAT. Now they have the world's largest collection of photos from the world of motorsport, no less than 26. 26- million photos an incredible archive and we've actually been fortunate enough to just before well just as soon as you arrived we had a quick look in the archive didn't we yeah was and amazing. found some photos of yeah. you as a little girl with your father yeah how
2: cool is that me and my brother it's so cool so cool god they have an so, the
0: incredible array of photos back oh. there it's just amazing and so well organized i mean they
2: literally yeah. found it within 30 seconds oh it was completely amazing. we were just we walked in and yeah the second i said who my dad's name was 10 seconds later he's up on the screen and oh, yeah god. and lots of lots of of photos that haven't yet been, been archived, you know, which is amazing being able to flick through those and just seeing him with his big 70s sideburns and, <laughs> and stuff like that. My mum with her giant, like, glasses, sunglasses. It's,
0: it's amazing. The first thing I did was I had a quick search for Dario Franchitti, who is three-time Indie 500 winner and the commentator for Formula and a colleague of mine. And uh, I found these hysterical photos of him. He must have been about 18 years old. I sent them to him and he was like, oh wow, that's me in the first suit I bought from CNA for 90 quid and I wore it to meet Jackie Stewart He still got it so, oh my god what a story Brilliant. but tell us about uh books that you are or a book that you're currently writing or anything that we can sort of get excited about well it's not set soon. in the world of racing <laughs>
2: <laughs> um my la- but funnily enough you know my last book that I've just um which came out earlier this year is called if you could go anywhere and that's because racing is not as dangerous anymore which is mm. obviously a, a good thing but um just in that search for jeopardy you know I ended up writing about base jumping which is another extremely dangerous sport you know and I think it there is like I say that's something oh, that gosh. sort of romanticism about you know kind of fooling for someone who yeah. does something very dangerous you mm. know the idea of losing you know someone like that so it's not it's not allegedly about base jumping if you read the blurb but yeah there's that's like a bit of a a sort of twist in the in the story. Wow, what's it called? It's called
0: If You Could Go Anywhere. If You Could Go yeah. Anywhere. Brilliant, excellent. Well, we look forward to having a read of that as well. Thank you. Thank you, Paige. Now, Manish, on to you, because I think most people know you as the man that brought us Senna, which was an absolutely phenomenal success. Um, obviously, we've heard from Paige about the kind of ingredients that you need to, to create a, a fantastic story. What is it that made Senna so incredible when you were writing it?
3: I mean, I really loved him, and I think that makes such a big difference. It's true, just as a fan, you know, sometimes you can be a bit wide-eyed and Mm. and naive, but I think also I was in my mid-30s when I started that project properly, a little bit older, actually, and he'd been gone for quite a while, so there was was some space as well to think about it. And then film is a really disciplined media, really unlike novels where you have you know if you want to make something 200 pages long you do if you want to make it 500 pages long you can and actually you know if you're Vikram Seth you can make something a thousand pages long and you know people people will read it in and I also remember when we were working on Senna at that time feature docs were quite new and we knew we had about 100 minutes which means about 100 pages of screenwriting time and there was so much archive to go through so many potential stories to tell and so, you know, you start off with this kind of undiluted love and passion, but also there's a very technical side to, um, to screenwriting. I'd actually written three romantic comedies for working title by that time, because I, I was actually a rom com writer. But you, what I love about this is you weren't always a rom com writer, were you? No, I trained as a surgeon, actually, <laughs> I did. Which is yes, incredible. Yeah. No, you, but were, I, you, know, you trained yes, and was, you yes, were working as a yes,
0: surgeon for yes, a while.
3: Yes, very much so. And I, but I think, you know, your passion eventually comes out, even if you're a good Indian boy who's the son of a surgeon, it, <laughs> it, it, does just, it just finds its way. And I think, I think actually something quite telling about it, I'd written those rom-coms for a company that just produced rom-coms like Bread and Butter, but actually my first produced film is something that I'm even more passionate about than, you know, than, than the writing um, You know that had paid the bills a little bit before. And I think the thing about Senna also was he had lived as a kind of mythical figure mm-hmm. way beyond racing and way beyond his death. I mean, everybody sort of knew who he was. And I, I remember, you know, we started that project 10 years after his death. And when we'd finished the film, I, I was invited um, to lots and lots of things and people's memories, a little like yours. So whether you liked him or not, you were always touched by him. People really felt for him. He, he produced emotion and we went to the... Um, 20th anniversary of his death at Imola and the crowd at the 20th anniversary of his death I mean the 25,000 people turned up and that's a power of filmmaking as well as a power of the man because we just sort of reminded people who he was and of his life as much as his death.
0: Exactly and the
3: importance that he had on the world of motorsport. Yeah.
0: Nick I've got to ask you so would you like manage to maybe write a film about your racing career? <laughs>
1: Well, if you if did a film about Senna, I think it uh, wouldn't really fit to do a film about Heidfeld. you have been I mean, too modern. He's, a, he's an icon and this is somebody who I would have loved to meet. Luckily, I mm-hmm. met some people who knew him and mm-hmm. he just has so much charisma. I mean, you watch him in many scenes that were also in your, your film and it's just amazing the amount of power and passion he had.
0: So we're not going to have a film called Heidfeld anytime soon, then.
1: Anyway. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You got it in you? Maybe oh, I have another career could... after racing, and I do something. I'll write you a that's book. Outstanding. I'll write you a book. <laughs> a romantic book about Nick Heidfeld.
0: <laughs> oh, this could be interesting. Tell us the story.
1: <laughs> yeah. What did I do?
0: Who <laughs> did he fall in love I'll speak with? To wife? wife. I'll speak <laughs> to your wife. Yeah, they've got three children. <laughs> but where's the juice? <laughs> Where's the drama? We need to speak to the wife for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. We'll get the gossip from her. Okay, favourite racing movie? Obviously, we have to exclude Senna from this one.
3: (laughs) It's, I, I think. Grand Prix the original one okay yeah I, I love that I can watch that all day and all night actually <laughs> how many times have you watched it <laughs> a few the whole crew watched that did you
0: that. have to watch a lot of movies like
3: well I mean I've seen them anyway sort of but the whole crew it. yes yeah we yeah. watch it, and also Le Mans I yeah. think oh, both of those it. are really mm. worth watching mm-hmm.
0: yeah brilliant you for me
2: oh, it's got to be Senna absolutely You're like oh no it, yeah. but we're excluding oh, sorry, no, but Senna but we're it,
0: excluding it, Senna oh well
2: it has, for me it has to be Senna the other one I did like Rush because there's this point in it where Nicky Lauda walks in with a suitcase full of money and, and buys the ride that was my dad's ride <laughs> so good I love and that I was story. sitting next to him, you know, oh sitting next to him in the theater, and we're just like giggling, you know. And um, and then afterwards, you know, Nikki sort of like saying, "And you have to change this and what this is." My dad's sitting there. He's like, "This is just uh, <laughs> this is bull." That is brilliant. <laughs> he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and Nick, what would you
1: ask me? It's also Senna, even if I'm not allowed. No, to, okay, uh, okay. Senna the
0: first, well, and then what's I, the I didn't se- uh, <laughs> see
1: too many racing movies. Uh, to To be honest, I can tell you the worst one. It's driven. Is it with oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I Sadly, agree the with the that. Yes. <laughs> with the translation in German, it's just oh awful. no, really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like Fast and Furious. <laughs> well,
1: I cannot stand watching this for more than two minutes. I don't know why it's so successful. To be honest, I mean, I'm happy if people like it, but I don't get it.
3: Yeah. I think racing drivers often have a very difficult time with motor racing movies, though, because what um, what looks very dramatic to an audience who don't know anything about cars you know, to a racing driver. I mean, if you've just seen, have you seen Le Mans 66, um, Ford versus Ferrari? The, you know, it's great. You, they're going at top speed down the Mulsanne straight and they change down and the cars don't blow up. And if you're watching that, it just makes you chuckle. Yeah, it's so and you know, there's someone sitting at home going, oh, you really but spoiled it for fun. me. But you know, just things like that. But I think racing, for racing drivers, that's very tough. Fast
1: and Furious, Is not only that being unrealistic, but some of the acting, I think, is just so bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a specialist, but then I think, why is it so successful, and why are those actors seen as like actors? For me, it's like oh, I can do it because he's Vin Diesel;
0: he can do whatever he wants. So the thing is, that,
3: <laughs> Nick. Now you know the thing about movie making. Now, if you want to make a movie that is internationally successful, what you have to imagine is watching the film without any dialogue. And that's how these films work. They're all hyper-dramatic now, because it's got to work in China, in India, in Europe, and in America. And the kind of, you know, only international language for all of that are wide-eyed facial expressions. And that's why, you know, what you regard as ham, you know, it's just, it's underacting in Bollywood, Uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. I love it.
0: You know, if we were to make the movie Heidefeld, who would, Play your part, Nick. You would, uh, your sort of um, number one actor be. Norton. Oh, really? Okay, nice. Would you cast? Would you cast um, Norton for that? I
3: think that'd be good, great, cool, yeah. wouldn't it? I think he's a very good actor. Yeah, I like very him. intense. He starts off as a priest, doesn't he? In this story, that's what it is. He's a young boy who wants to become a priest, but he becomes a racing driver, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the arc
0: oh I love it (laughs) I'm just writing this down yeah exactly I mean seriously guys we need to make this happen (laughs) Nick do you find it because obviously there's so much as we said sort of jeopardy in the sort of racing movies and a lot of it is about the danger of racing and unfortunately you know the deaths that we've seen in racing do you find that a bit strange that we need to sort of dramatize that part of it to make it a good movie Because obviously, you know, you're the one in the car driving.
1: I'm not sure. I I don't see it from that perspective. But most of the people you speak to, especially the ones who just watch racing occasionally, see this as a big factor. Mm -hmm. But the fans that love motorsport and are more into it don't really see it that way and don't Mm -hmm. need it that much.
0: You don't see it in the same way but there is an event that you always i think we both actually love going um, although somehow formulary loves to make sure it clashes the calendar with goodwood festival of speed which is always such a great event for fans motorsport fans and you know obviously all the sort of glitterati from the world of motorsport are there what is it that you love so much about going
1: Yeah, Goodwood. Actually, I will go again this year. Even it's on the same weekend as uh, New York. Ah, how are you uh, managing that? Well, Dilbach, our team boss, also likes Goodwood a lot. I think we first went there like three years ago. Mm. So uh, there's not much convincing needed. And uh, I will drive this car and I will drive the Batista probably as well. And this year for the first time, I will most likely have my family there. Oh, that's lovely. Is that the first time that they're going? Yes, Oh, amazing. Yes. and I mean, I, I'm a car lover, and uh, obviously I like motorsport, and the amount of cars you see there is just outstanding. In my eyes, you don't get that anywhere else. And on top of that, the atmosphere is also unique. By now, it's a huge event, but still it doesn't feel like it's that, that huge, and everybody loves it, and it's well-organized. Yeah, it's just a fantastic.
3: You know, what's funny is it's, a, it's exactly that. The, they've somehow managed to keep the average level of passion exactly the same. So this is a place that now has got 50 times as many people who perhaps went ten years ago, but every single person there gets into the spirit. And also, do you, have you been to the revival?
1: Oh. No, I want to go. That's also oh, just finish. another one. It's not thing. been to revival. No. It's like oh, you just oh, imagine Nick. imagine God, crossing no. the
3: Festival of Speed with Wimbledon. That's oh. the only way to describe it. It's Andressa. got this, yeah.
0: <laughs> you get in you get all your 1960s gear. Everyone looks incredible. Like it just is such a sort of classy event mm. because everyone makes an effort. You know, you're 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 the idiot if you come dressed in your you know plain clothes absolutely and it's just so wonderful to see not only the cars in period but also everyone else in period costume oh
3: God, sure. hey, you'd, you'd love it and the, the other thing is that the people who bring some of their sort of old cars along I mean you'll mm. see I mean you'll see Ferraris there that you didn't imagine existed 250 Maseratis you see things and you just look at them and
0: you know, and they're, but they're racing. But you know, they're racing. They're, they're crazy. And, and they're not just sort of pootling around doing like a sort of no. demo show run. They're actually racing each other hard. You're like, oh my God. You're... I don't know how the event gets the insurance because <laughs> the value of the cars in the car park alone is just off the scale.
3: <laughs> but I think it's one of those things that sort of slightly reaffirms a bit of human spirit because they are ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you know, three, four, five million pound cars. Yeah being driven absolutely you know flat out and they do make by
0: wannabe racing drivers absolutely (laughs) not by racing drivers (laughs) they (laughs) make make
3: contact (laughs) but the owners sit there and they're really pretty calm about the whole thing because that's what they're really all about that's what we all fell in love with Mm. and that's
1: what they all say but i don't get my head around it i mean i've been asked to drive various cars but as i said i I love cars also especially uh, classic cars for the looks I can't drive them them quick. I mean, they're just a piece of art. I don't want to destroy them. Even if they were built to do that, it's, I don't know. Maybe in a few <laughs> years' time, but now I'm like, no. Can't get your I don't head want around
0: to do it. it. Well, okay, conversely then, um, obviously most of the movies, racing movies that we've talked about are your noisy internal combustion engine cars. Do you think we can find the same and I guess evoke the same emotion with electric cars?
1: Yeah, I'm quite sure. If we go more deep into what is happening in the life of, of racing, mm-hmm. for example, the, the film Senna, I think it was not about screaming engines. It's, it's what happens behind. It's about the drama, about the passion. And I mean, I love a nice sounding yeah. engine or car like a Porsche Carrera GT is my favorite sound. But if you look at Formula One now, it doesn't sound nice. Speaking of, of Goodwood, I think it was two years ago, a car started behind me and I turned around to see what it was, and it was an F1 car. It was really disappointing. I mean, 10 years ago, you did hear that there was a Formula 1 car when you were a kilometre away. Mm. So it's not only that.
2: You don't need earplugs anymore at races.
3: No, which I quite like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's much more sociable, and for filming, it's great. (laughs) The government today
3: announced that we're not going to have internal combustion cars, diesels or hybrids in this country In just 15 years, they're going to be phased out. I think you'll find that drama won't be phased out in 15 years, and I think almost certainly the track is going to follow what's happening on the road because, in some ways, it—you know—these two things have been tied. Enzo Ferrari built cars for the road, but he built cars for the track. And if you fell in love Mm -hmm. with the car on the track, you were more likely to buy the car for the road. You had a choice, and I think—and it's right—you may not be able to hear the car in the same way, but I think you can appreciate it. I don't think anyone looking at the Formula E car behind me can do anything other than just sort of quietly marvel at that. I mean, it's beauty. It's just an object of absolute beauty. And I think you want to tell a dramatic story, I think these things will always be dramatic. Yeah you know that you don't you don't drive a kilometer an hour slower because it's electric do you if that thing could do 350 you'd be doing 350 and they will be that's the other thing you know batteries are getting lighter these cars are getting quicker it, I would imagine that in 10, 15 years time, you know, there probably won't be much of a difference in performance. And that's yeah. a good thing.
0: Well, in fact, they're, fa- you know, it's they're faster. That's the, the most beautiful part about it all. I mean, earlier in the studio, just behind us, we had the Automobili Pinaferina Batista, which is this electric hypercar, which is absolutely stunning. You know, the design on that is just exquisite. You know, you haven't seen anything like it. And that's doing naught to 100 kilometres an hour in under two seconds, which is just insane.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just takes time. I'm sure in 20, 30 years' time people will uh, look and listen to old combustion engines and they uh, will laugh at it and say, Did, can you imagine back I then didn't. the offices it was so noisy. Uh, it's just it does. Passes, it kind
0: of I, does feel a bit archaic getting into, you know, a, an old internal combustion engine car now. You know, at least we drive hybrids and electrics. <laughs> Finally, because we are running out of time, I know we could go on and on for ages. Um, tell us what you guys are all up to next. Nick, I think I know what you're going to say but tell us anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, well, actually I'm flying home tonight, but then the next thing is I will be in Cambiano in Italy for Automobili Pininfarina, uh, discussing about the next couple of of weeks and months. Ah, cool. So because
0: you've been helping sort of the design process of the car.
1: Yes. And now in the near future, it will uh, be more driving the car. Oh, nice. Because you haven't driven it yet. No, just on the simulator. Wow.
0: That will be exciting. And uh,
2: Paige? Well, um, I've just finished writing another book, um, The Minute I Saw You, which is out in May. So from here until then, it'll be publicity and... Is it such a relief when you finish writing? How long does it take to write a book? It doesn't take me that long. I, t- I tend to write my books from start to finish in less than three months. Wow. And then after that, it just takes editing. And there's so much publicity you have to do and just general promotion. And is that stuff. the fun part or is the writing the I fun don't mind, part? No, the, for me, the, the writing is the fun part. That's what I love. So just getting stuck into a story is, yeah, that's, oh, that's my passion. How
0: wonderful. Well, good luck. <laughs> Thank you. And we will be looking out for the launch and buying the book, of course. And Manish, what's next for you?
3: Um, as you probably know, I finished making my film Heroes last year, so we will be announcing in the next, I think in next week, the release plans, a big French distributor who's taken that on so that's really exciting and then um,
0: quickly tell us about Heroes top line story top line involved. managed to
3: get four drivers that I am slightly in love with who are all living <laughs> so Mika Hakkinen Felipe Massa Mika
0: Hakkinen I could remember three and four but uh, there we go yeah, so Mika, Mika Hakkinen, Felipe yeah.
3: um, Tom Christensen and then I think the person who blew us all away, Michelle Mouton. The most mega woman She really is. They meet at a beautiful English country home and spend a day and night together talking about their lives. And uh, the person that connects them all is Michael Schumacher. So as they talk about their lives, we use a lot of archive to illustrate the highs, the lows, but also sort of tell a proxy story of Michael's life. And I think the best thing about it for me is that when people who are really successful in life look back at their lives the highs and lows professionally quickly vanish and it really becomes a very personal story we all have kids we all find people I hope we fall in love with we have our ups and sadly we have our downs that's life
0: just romantic just the way you talk you tell he's a writer can't you Uh, well guys thank you so much for thank you Uh, thank you for watching or listening whatever you're doing Uh, please do remember to subscribe and we will be bringing you a new episode of Straight Talk very soon